Hey, it's Jamie here, and I want to talk to you a minute about Try Tie Tonight. You know that I suffer from anxiety, so you can probably guess that the idea of planning a dinner party is virtually a non-starter. Lucky for me, though, I'm friends with Chef Jean at Try Tie Tonight. For as little as $40 a person, you can arrange an authentic four-course Thai dining experience in your own home. Do you want to really blow your guests away? Arrange for a Thai cooking demonstration, and your guests will not only get to enjoy the food, but they're going to leave with techniques on how to make it and the recipes as well. Of course, if you're just looking for a healthy, fresh, exotic alternative to your normal party food, you can arrange catering as well. It's all there for you at www.trytitonight.com. Check it out and tell Chef Gene that Jamie sent you. I'm Jamie Dew, and this is a show of strength. Hey, it's Jamie here, and welcome to a show of strength. Today on the show, I am joined by two fellow podcasters and fellow crazy people, Lori Lane Murphy and Adriana Prosser. These two host a show that I was introduced to, gosh, I guess it was back when I was in the second round of Laughing Like Crazy, and uh, one of my colleagues in the group was like, oh my gosh, there's this podcast out there and it's doing what you're doing. I was stressed out naturally and, um, you know, it was like, there's no space for two podcasts that talk about mental illness. I've learned a lot. There's a ton of space for a podcast that talk about mental illness, but even if there wasn't, they do things differently over there at stories like crazy. Adriana and Lori are naturally gifted storytellers, and they use that bent to invite guests on the show to tell their story in a more narrative way than, you know, I do. Uh, My show is much more interview style, where I ask questions and interject with my thoughts. What they do is they introduce their guest and then let them go and tell their story. And they don't comment until the story's done. It's really a cool idea. You, you might remember that I was on the show uh, earlier this summer. And we actually recorded both episodes that same day in July. Can you believe it? It's been since July. And I'm releasing this episode in November. Oh, man. It was sunny and beautiful. I was probably complaining about it being hot. But now it's cold. It's minus 10 degrees but I'm still complaining. Gosh, it's terrible, right? Okay, uh, enough of me just rambling on. Let's move into the episode and hear from Lori Lane Murphy and Adriana Prosser of Stories Like Crazy. I hope you enjoy this one, folks. like crazy just sort of it, it 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 kind of unraveled and I really have to tell you that Adri is my person for all the sort of lingo and slang of the day because I'm old and she's I don't know what she just said earlier but I believe it was B to the dubs <laughs> gold star and, right gold thank star. you um but so hundred <laughs> percent so for I, I started telling um, stories in, in Toronto a few years ago and um, writing a show that was a tribute, really, to my dad, who uh, back in the day, he was diagnosed in the 50s with what was then called manic depression. 
if he were to be diagnosed today, it would likely be something close to bipolar um, disorder. So I wanted to get better at telling this story, and so I, I wrote a show, and then I started going around and doing other stories and fell in love with kind of the craft of storytelling um, because for a lot of us, um, a lot of us talking comes very naturally and conversing comes very naturally, but how do we polish that and shape that a little bit? And then I got thinking, I want to sort of weave this further into something that is going to help or raise awareness around mental health. Um, I want to do a little bit more than raise awareness. I think people are aware of mental health since we all have it. But what are we going to do about it? So for me, do what you know, and stories are what I know. So I created a show a couple years ago called All in Our Heads. And I was absolutely flabbergasted at how many storytellers, when I put the word out there, wanted to get on stage and tell their story. I thought, mm, is this a bit of a downer? Are people really going to want to get up there and, and, and share in this way? Yes. The answer is yes. And... Um, it was very gratifying. So um, Adriana and I got to know one another through Twitter. I saw some of the stuff that she was doing with her amazing one-woman show, and I reached out to her in the Twitter sphere. Mm-hmm. And I'm a tweep. You're total tweep. Right. <laughs> and we got together because she is this ama- amazing artist, and what can we do together then um, that's going to not just for us, but to give people a platform to tell their stories. Um, and how do we do it in a way that is, has some polish to it? So what better way than to get a podcast? Because everyone and their brother has a podcast now, so why should we be any different? <laughs> and so I guess just going back about a, almost a year and a half ago now, mm-hmm. we bantered back and forth a bit of what could we call this thing, and we like the idea of using the word crazy because it's such a no-no. I was just going to I was going to ask you about it that. It is such yeah. a no-no and we say yes, yes. Take because I want to take it back. Adri wants to take it back. And I think at least for me where stories um, are most powerful is when people are are raw and honest and they're not so worried about offending. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have to be mindful of that. Absolutely. I, I don't live in a dream world. But at the same time, I think that people get their stories told for them when they're dealing with mental illness. We're labeled. I have bipolar disorder and I think that you could ask nearly anyone to describe what that looks like and 99% of the time they'll be wrong. So to be able to um, take that word back, and and crazy is a great word. Crazy, it's a great word. I don't want it to be taboo. Adri didn't want it to be taboo, so we said, let's call it Stories Like Crazy. And uh, yeah, we put the word out, and we got flooded pretty quickly with some local storytellers. And now we're at the stage where we are inviting people that maybe aren't necessarily storytellers, but they're people that have a story to tell. So um, that's kind of where we're at. And, and this is, it, it's, it, it's, it's just an incredibly moving, gratifying, and I think it's important work. Be, uh, dare I be so bold to say. I agree. I completely agree. And the tagline that we came up with uh, was uh, stories like crazy. Uh, your story isn't over yet and we want to hear it. And, and it's that continuing the dialogue, continuing the conversation that, that's been popping up in the Twitter sphere as well and on social about tacking on your voice, you know, raising your voice, raising awareness, um, and then, you know, sometimes raising funds as well for mental health initiatives. Like, it's all kind of encompassing, and, and this is a way to for us to be a part of the conversation and to continue it in a positive way. And I also think that um, as much as I love uh, the storytelling events and, and being there in person and, and seeing the tangible community of continuing that conversation, there is something to be said for my anxiety um, to have the uh, ability to put my headphones on in a private space, in a, in a safe place, and listen to these stories and, you know, maybe ugly cry or just like really be a part of that moment and not judge myself. Uh, and, and that's why I was also drawn into not only 
possibly doing live events. We just had our first one this past May and it was great. Thank you for coming. And thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, but that the podcast is a different way, like that we need to attack stigma from different angles and chisel away at it. And I think that we need the live events to to check in and be like, oh, there are others. You know, I can I can see these people. I can hug them. I can high five them. I can sit a, sit in the dark with them and feel like these are my people. Um, and and then also the other side of it of being alone and in my safe place, also known as my blanket fort, with my puppies, with my headphones on, and listening to these people's stories in my own time, in my own way, is also a great thing to have. And I think that's why we also went for the podcast idea. Portable, you can take it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, really, you do you. really uh, a cool thing. If somebody wants to listen to six or seven, they can do that. Yeah. So you were, you were doing a, a show when Laura reached out to you? Um, was that something that you expected? Were you surprised by this? Were you advocating at that time? I, uh, so my story, uh, begins in 2010 when my brother, uh, took his life and I kind of have a blackout year of depression and grief and bereavement and suicide, um, survivor is apparently what we but some people call us in, in, in mental health community um, because I definitely feel like I survived that year and I was, uh, I lost everything. And that's where my show comes from. It's called Everything But The Cat because that year I lost everything but my cat. I lost my apartment. I lost uh, the boyfriend. I lost my brother. I lost my sense of self. Um, and I almost lost my job, but knock wood. Uh, my bosses were very understanding and, uh, it was so definitive. Like I really do feel like that is a separate life from what I'm leading right now. I'm definitely on the other side of that. Um, and I wrote a lot because people wouldn't come near me lest they caught the morning disease or the suicide disease. And it was fascinating, but it was also very isolating. So I wrote a lot in my diary, like a Victorian girl, like literally wrote, dear diary, I am sad, right? <laughs> and, and I just wrote everything like as if it was a friend. And so I went back because the, 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 the bereavement and the grief were just so strong that I was like, what the hell did I even do last week? And I could read my diary and be like, oh, okay, so that's, that's what happened. And after that year of, of bereavement, and I started to kind of poke my head out of the sand and, and try to bring back the people that were good in my life and, and find friends again, because it, it, the, the, the grief pushed people away, but I also pushed people away. I didn't really understand. I was a monster of grief. Um, and, and that kind of vacuum is just not appealing to most people. And I get that. Um, so when I tried to resurface as less of a monster, um, people were contacting me and they were like, you know, let me take you over coffee. Let's go for a drink. Would love to know how you're doing. And then I would sit there for 45 minutes and just kind of catch them up. And one friend, my friend Brittany, uh, bless her, turned to me and she's like, damn girl, that's a fucking friend show. And I was like, no, it's not. It's so self-indulgent. It's so me, me, me. Oh, wait, more me. Like, it's just, it's too much. It's, it's a cry story. And she's like, I finished my coffee. I have to go to the bathroom half an hour ago, but I sat here and I listened to you because I wanted to hear it. I wanted to hear that story. She's like, you need to write this down. And so it, it became a part of my own therapy process to, to write it down and to make it coherent and to tell that story because it was getting such a wonderful response and it flabbergasted me to share that story that I felt was so cancerous, right? And, and, and that it was life taking rather than life giving. Like it was just so strange to have people want to hear it and for me to be like I don't know man like tell me about how you're doing and they're like no 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 no, keep going like I want to know what happened oh. fascinating right yeah. and so 
morbid curiosity aside, there was also a, a, a life-giving side to that of people being like, you know, I've never told anybody this, but like as soon as I showed them my demons and my underbelly, that they then felt compelled to share their story back. It's really interesting, isn't it? Fascinating. It's like it open. It kicks the door wide open. There's yeah. a there's a there's a a strange permission that seems to be needed. Yeah. That doesn't happen in a lot of other facets of our lives. I don't feel that um, if I were to have diabetes or cancer, I need permission then for someone else to talk about it or vice versa. And yet, when we talk about this kind of mental illness or this kind of grief, mm-hmm. um, it becomes. Um, I'm almost certain that there's a pressure valve that gets released in other people. Oh, where yeah. They go, oh, there's, there's someone who's maybe won't know exactly what I'm going through, but gets it enough that I can dump it for a little while. Common language, right? Like Common it's like, language. oh my God, you're in this foreign country. And it's like, I hear you. Mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying. Oh my God, me too. Yes. And I can put that pack down because it's so heavy. And, um, and, and and just when I'm listening to you, and I, and I have heard the story, but every time I hear it, you you add something or you 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 just phrase something differently. And what kept going through my mind is we talk a lot um, on our podcast and, and in our own conversations around what is this thing called self care. Hmm. Um, and for me, it's masturbation. That's what it feels like. <laughs> me, to me too. <laughs> me too. It always sounds dirty to Literally me. Literally and figuratively. It really, really sounds dirty. And so, you know, go for a walk, take a bath, light a candle, you know, play the lute. I don't know, but it 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 it, it, it it's not it's not any one thing. Mm-hmm. It is whatever floats your boat that's going to get you to the next thing. So if today it's writing in the journal, this is self-care, what we're doing right now for me, mm-hmm. is, is, is talking with Jamie and, Sharing. and, and being with Adriana because I live out in the burbs. These are all self-care things. It doesn't matter um, what it is for you. It just matters that you have something. Otherwise, the burden is too heavy. It's so true. And and for some reason, and for that reason, rather, that when I told my story, it just, it, it had this ripple effect. And so I then submitted it into a play festival at uh, the Alumni Theater, uh, just as a reading. Uh, and it was really interesting how uh, there is this, they, they roundtable you when you, when you workshop your, your stuff. And everybody has to read your your submission and then it's kind of like a speed date with directors and this one woman she sat down you get five minutes with with each of these directors and you kind of have to have like a a, a pitch or whatever and she sat down and she's like I don't want to waste your time but I really think this is going to be better as a book because this isn't theater and I went wow oh yeah I pretty much said wow okay, so now we have four and a half more minutes where I don't want to look at your face. <laughs> but obviously I don't say that, although maybe... Really? I mean... You, you didn't say that? I was trying to be a professional. I was wearing a blazer. Um, <laughs> I restrained myself. Um, and I was like, okay, um, I'm going to go pee now or something and have a coffee I don't need because I don't want to be there. Um, and then the next person who sat down, and her name was Stephanie, and... Wonderful, brilliant. Uh, she now works for Smoke Bomb Entertainment and has done wonderful productions, and she's a great director. She sat down, and she's just like, oh, my God, this, this is what I'm here for, right? Being a, a young creator um, and, and really hungry for something that's uh, a little less polished and a little less about the cutout trees and the scenes and stuff like this, right? Like, like old-school theater, that she wanted something that was a little bit different a little bit raw and I was like really because the last woman just told me that I suck basically (laughs) at least that's how I interpreted it and she was just like no one woman show like a confessional theater thing I'm in I am totally in I don't know if anybody else is going to say that to you but I am in I was like okay okay so then it was that must have felt dynamite amazing it felt amazing I felt validated um and the show went up with um, Crystal Lolly, who uh, was playing me, which was surreal and weird. Um, and that um, Stephanie uh, directed her in like this staged reading, which is all that it needed. It was a one woman show. So it was like her in a chair. And it was fascinating to watch. I bawled my eyes out. Um, it sold out. And like the alumni is just like, stage readings don't really sell out because it's a fucking stage reading. Um, so that was really cool. 
And then uh, people came up and were like, this thing has legs. And I said, give it back to me. <laughs> like, I don't want somebody playing me. I felt like the disconnect was that it wasn't Krista's story, it was mine. And it was important for me to say at the end of the show, that's me. That actually happened. And so in that moment, I realized I was a mental health advocate because I wanted to show my face. I didn't want it to be superficial and, and, and totally fictionalized because I do. I fictionalize some bits to save like the whole names have been changed for people's privacy and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I tried to do that as minimally as possible because I felt in that moment, I need to tell this story because the connection that was lost by translating it from the coffee shop conversation to the stage was that I wasn't saying it anymore. And it needed to be my voice box and my story so that people could be like, again, that, that kicking down the door kind of idea of like, oh my God, me too. Because the audience clapped and was, and was like, oh, that was a nice story, right? But like, that's not the girl, like that's an actor. And so to bring it back for whatever I needed to make it feel good in my bones and my guts, I think it, it, it could have been something neat if I had continued to let directors interpret it and let strangers be me in the show, she's just called she. Um, but I needed to take it back. And I don't know if that was a selfish move or if that was the right move, but whatever it is, I did that. And I brought everything but the cat to high schools, universities, um, public showings with Lori. And in it's uh, become this, this way to open those doors to, to start conversations. And uh, right now I'm nearing the eight year, nine year mark, and I'm starting to feel like everything but the cat needs an update. It, it's going to need the 10 year anniversary check-in because so much has happened because of that show. It was a, a, a catalyst in understanding who I am and what I can bring to the conversation. The fact that I even realized I was in a conversation and and that I wasn't it wasn't just an isolated incident and that my brother's death can have this metamorphosis this kind of phoenix liberation of sorts I don't know I'm like searching for words I wish I was a poet about the idea that it's such a it's it's such a devastation and a nuclear bomb of emotion that happened around Andrew's death that little pieces of life are kind of growing out of that. And I really, I'm going to cry. Um, I'm really thankful that that has happened and that other people throughout the years have come to me and said, you know, because of what you said, because we had that conversation, um, I didn't attempt. Because of that, I actually went out and sought therapy. Um, and somebody actually told me two, three years later because she felt that she couldn't tell me at the time because I was, I was in it. She's like, you know, I, I heard that and I was actually thinking about suicide. And then I heard you and I heard your story and I thought to myself, this, this can't happen for me. This, this isn't my story. And it just it fucking knocks you out. Like it just knocks your ribs aside and hits you in the heart and you're like, okay, okay, this is bigger than me, but I'm in it. I'm, I'm in it. And that's exactly why we want to do things like stories like crazy and unpack crazy and share stories because you just don't know who's listening. Well, the power of a story, like what you've just both said, the, the power behind these stories. Well, and, and it doesn't matter for almost three years. I've heard iterations. I've seen the live production twice and Adrian and I have been friends for almost three years. So hearing different iterations mm. and every time... Um, again, this is a little bit of, of, a, of a shiver goes up the spine because everybody has an everybody but the cat in them. Mm -hmm. um, and what's remarkable about getting those stories out there in, in, in whatever iteration they are, whether you're a professional actor or whether you're a person who works at Tim's, it doesn't matter. Um, everyone can be shown the mechanics of telling a story, and, and that's one of the things that I'm volunteering um, and doing now is, is teaching people that I've never told a story on the stage to 
how do I glean those bits for the most impact? Because let's face it, you want to hit people in the heart. You mm-hmm. want to hit them between the eyes. Um, and so it's, it's so um, exciting for me to, and I don't know about you, Adri, if you've, when, when someone is finished doing our cast, and I mean the second they're finished, when we say thank you very much, there's something that comes over their faces. It's like a, <sighs> yeah, relaxation. This relaxation, and they're so, and I love this, because we're not taught to be proud of ourselves. We're not taught to be confident. And when you see a person think, you just know they're thinking, that was good. What I just did was hmm. good. And it felt it good. It felt good. It sounded good. I don't feel like a moron. You know, and it, we're just not taught in, to 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 own the things that we do do well. Hmm. It's it's somehow not allowed, which is again ridiculous. Um, when you think about um, how else are we supposed to do good in the world if we don't acknowledge good mm. and if we don't teach our children to be good and to be proud, and um, so it's 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 such a thrill for me at, at this stage of my life to um, watch people at any age, but in particular younger people, kind of just. Oh, I feel I feel proud of myself, and I have something to share, and I have something to say, and um, it doesn't have to be about hogging attention. If Adri has a beautiful story, it takes nothing away from my beautiful story. Amen. Right. The share. Absolutely. It's the share. And I think that is, to me, if I can sort of spread that message, um, then I feel that I'm doing my bit to to diminish a little bit of that stigma because really what does mental health look like i don't know me neither looks like me looks like you yeah, yeah. looks like adri it looks like you know i think it's 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 astounding to me that people are willing to separate mental from health yeah <laughs> right mental health yeah. is health exactly i love yeah. that new hashtag oh, speaking of hashtags. so good so great. And like, and that's what your podcast, uh, Jamie, and our podcast is about. It's not necessarily about like you need to get up on stage or you need to get in front of a microphone. It's just the encouragement of I, I should tell someone how I feel. I should tell someone about that thing that, you know, I, I just had somebody come over last night, uh, one of my buddies, and, and he was just like, oh, my God, but I've been going on and on. How about you? And I'm like, no, sweetie, you need this clearly. But you two are like storytelling midwives in, in a sense <laughs> oh my god that's going on the next t-shirt yeah like, that's going on the like next t-shirt birthing these like helping people birth these stories thank and you as you as you that's said profound. it a moment ago i was like you know when when somebody's done their story and they're so proud of it and they're not taught to be proud of it and you're right like mm-hmm. nobody's story is more beautiful just like you know no no two babies in a room are both beautiful babies yeah. one doesn't have well, exactly and i think that you know just learning kind of through my own life experience because that in and itself everyone has a story um when did it when did it become instantly conceded to share something positive about yourself that you've done or you've shared or you've accomplished there's so much shame attached to accomplishment with I can't even really wrap my brain around it Mm. um but that to me is what we have to do battle against. Come on. Everybody has something brilliant to say. Everybody has something stupid to say, <laughs> right? We all, you know, we've been there. Um, we've all had, just like anyone with your mental health, and I know when I'm in a depressive episode, man, it's like I'm never going to be well again, but somehow I am. And we've got to. Wow, and that's so good, the midwives. I know. I'm so, so I'm just keep coming back to that. I, I just want to, yeah. That it's so, sometimes when you just let a person tell you that I'm scared, I'm scared I'm never going to feel happy again. I'm scared I'm never going to, you know, reach whatever that brass ring is for me. And for us to be able to say, maybe not today. Maybe not today. But you will, and whatever that looks like. And I think, we need to do that for each other because if we don't, who will? And then we'll we'll go right back to the 1850s and alias Grace, and we'll be thrown into these shit-filled asylums because we don't want to help each other. We, we had a we had an off 
podcast conversation about the the origins of stigma and mental health and please watch alias grace it's it's laden with canadian history and wonderfulness um but exactly and like that that midwifery of uh of stories um just just the idea of giving permission is something that i think is at the base of what we're doing. We're not we're not trying to because again, this is something that that people are talking and unpacking is the idea of like, well, the more that we talk about it, aren't you glamorizing it? Like the, like the whole idea of 13 reasons why. You're glamorizing suicide. No. We're finally shedding light on it. When you spotlight something, when you spotlight it, it's not making it like the new car on the lot. Like it's not like, ooh, ah, check this out now. I want to buy that thing. No, it's giving it space. It's giving it uh, time for people to understand because it's so been in the shadows for so long. And so spotlight does not mean glamour. It means we're finally looking at it. And we're looking at it not through this like periphery, not the sides of our eyes, not in passing, not shamefully like, you know, looking away because, oh, my God, we're going to catch the suicide or we're going to catch the depression or whatever that is. We're finally looking at it fully, wholly, completely in all of its, you know, strange, monstrous, whatever. It's ugly. It is. It, and, and but, you know, and so is, is love. Like, so is good stuff. Stuff can be, like, everything is ugly in, in its own time. And it's, I think that that's something that we're trying to destigmatize and and take the, 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 the like, the negative around all of that. We're trying to unpack that. Well, it's challenging when you meet somebody that is uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. And, you know, when you when you talk about these people that discuss um, something like 13 Reasons Why as spotlighting, uh, I, like I do feel that they're likely, if we could dig deep, that they are uncomfortable with their uncomfort around that subject matter rather Absolutely. than thinking that it's spotlighting. It. You I, know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I, I just have to share just because along those lines, um, I wrote a blog post not too long ago. Um, about um, it's not my job to make you understand. Where can we find your blog? Well, you can find it at laurielanemurphy.ca. Excellent. <laughs> I wrote it because it was it was um, sort of springboarded from not understanding why my brother wouldn't talk to me about mental illness. And I like my brother. I love my brother. He likes me. He loves me. But we have never had a straight-up conversation. And our father dealt with mental illness. It's just never been part of the conversation. And with everything, it's been quite a traumatic year and a half for me. Um, And a couple of times I tried to engage him, and it was a change of the subject. It was an aversion of the eyes. It was the, um, you know, how about those leaves kind of moment. It's a hard pass. Exactly. And... I remember coming home and, and saying to my husband, I can't believe he doesn't care. I can't believe it. This is like the single most important thing that's happening in my life right now, and he doesn't care. And my husband, a oh wise man that he is, just said, maybe he's not your guy for this. Go easy on him. This is not his thing, and that's okay. You've got other guys if your car breaks down, your brother's your guy. If you're sick in a way that he can understand, your brother's your guy. It's not my job to change him. And I kind of sat with that for a minute, and I, and I buy it, and I, and I get it. And I do realize that though I feel like I'm here to help to educate, it's not my job to force you to buy what I'm selling. I'm here if you want to hear my perspective and you want a safe space and you want me to birth your baby, I'm, I don't know what accent that was, um, but I am here, but I don't have to be up in your face. And I'll tell you something, this is what happens with so much noise now when Mm. people take a stand or they're protesting because they're so loud and there's no room for debate anymore. People have stopped listening. Mm -hmm. So this, to me, I, I feel this in the bottom of my heart, and I know people could argue, argue with me on that, and I'm not here to argue. I'm just here to say there are times when I step back and say, I'm here when you're ready. Maybe you're not my guy right now, and that's okay. And this is why Lori and I are friends, because making space is so hard with things like social media and milk crates that we can stand on digitally and virtually and 
it it's it's understanding that it's the encouragement and and those people will be there for you and setting boundaries which I am learning about with my therapist and and making space is such a thing that we are all learning right now that you can't you can't shout at somebody you can't tell them to do the thing and to be mindful of that and understand that is a huge awakening and it frees up so much of your energy I know this is a little bit of a tangent for mental health but still it'll help your mental health if you understand that you I don't know if you've ever heard of the spoon theory I've not. No. I'm gonna. I'm gonna link you. I'm gonna link you. This woman. She wrote about spoon theory. About like I don't have. I don't have any spoons for that today. That we dole out our energy in spoons, like tablespoons, like a recipe. Oh, I like that. Right. And then it's just you might hear from me on on social or whatever. It's like nope, I ain't got no spoons for that. And it's just I don't. I'm done. Like I've, I'm at. I've reached my limit. I need to dial it back. I need to do some self care. I need to wind it down for me. In that to be mindful of those things is as helpful as, you know, always putting yourself out there and that to be mindful of, of the give and the take and just how much you need to be there for people, setting your boundaries and understanding your own self-care is hugely encouraging to others to see that leading by example. Um, yeah, I just, I think it's fascinating and this is why we're friends. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, and being, uh, and I am allowed, I've been, uh, because I always ask permission from my husband if I'm allowed to share pieces of his story, because I also am very mindful that this is his story to tell, not mine, mm. but I am allowed to tell pieces of it that have impacted me. And um, after my husband's attempt, um, he had two attempts in four months. And um, what, when I talk about um, not getting in people's faces about mental illness. I found through working with him uh, when he was recovering that he was more apt to get help, more apt to listen to me if I wasn't screaming at him. And if, you know, and it's pretty Fair. basic, right? You think about your kids, not that I'm equating him with a kid, but you do. You think about your kids, they're more apt to learn and listen if you give them that space to learn and listen. And so that's kind of where I started thinking about it. And he would start asking me, questions and he was at that time this was almost a decade ago a 45 year old man 44 45 year old man who had never discussed his mental health ever never ever and so for him to take these sort of baby steps and I've got the crumbs and he's coming along and eventually he was going to come into the light on his own um you know, making those decisions and which steps he's going to take and how ready he was to take each of these steps. So I really think that you can't hammer it home to people, but you can always be a beacon of hope and a beacon of education. I like the beacon idea that yeah. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm over and, here. And, and you, you know, I am me. Yep. And I feel like that's for, for, for us, mm -hmm. for me, that that's the best way that we can be an advocate, that we can just co like constantly be waving that flag of awareness, but not necessarily preaching, yelling, telling you what to do, because everybody's different. You got to do you. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you guys that for, for me, for a show strength, the, you know, the core, the fundamental idea is encourage courage. Mm. And you guys are the very definition of that. Like, I mean, saying what you're saying, we're not going to get in your face. We're just going to, you know, encourage you to be courageous. And when you're ready to be courageous, when you're, when you have that developmental courage, um, you're in that place where you are willing to do anything to learn something new. Um, we'll be here and, you know, we'll, we'll hold your hand then. Um, we'll hold your hand in the interim as well, but we're not going to pull. Yeah. We're just going to hold. And that's so important. And what you guys are doing is so important. And, um, I'm really, I'm really proud that we were able to connect and, and, mm -hmm. and do that stuff. And I'm not necessarily winding down here or anything like that, but just, just keep fucking doing it. Like just, we need, we need a room like this full of people like us encouraging courage. And, um, maybe then we can, you know, start to see some, some real change. Yeah, right. And absolutely. I think that's why I leveled up. I, I went and I got certified as uh, an assist uh, person. So uh, applied suicide intervention skills training so that if you are in crisis, I can help. But then I also say that became, a little bit slower because I think that's really important. So assist is oh, the acronym. Assist is the uh, uh, acronym. Yes. Okay. S and language. it is, it is 
applied suicide intervention skills training. Okay. So if you are in crisis, I can say, okay, let's go through this together. I understand that you are feeling suicidal. Let's talk. Right. And I can go through um, this this step. It's a step program set by Living Works um, organization, and they they are constantly revamping it and trying to always make it better. Um, and that that there is for people in crisis. And then that fed me into, well, I want to teach people how to be suicide safer community members. Like you're saying, like if, if, if every other person, it's kind of like CPR, like if you learn first aid and you're one in five, then you've got like this little microcosm of safety because if one of those people goes down, you know CPR, right? So for the suicide safer community, this program is called Safe Talk um, and it's suicide alertness for everyone, um, safe. And it's also a step-by-step program. Uh, I do it in three hours, and we talk about being alert to suicidal behavior and ideation in your community so that these red flags, the, 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 the type of routine that your friends and family members go through and you know, little things that you can pick up on, um, because a lot of the time when we're talking about mental health and, and suicidal ideation specifically, um, that it it's not an overnight thing. It's it's not uh, you wake up and you're like, well, shit, done. Like it just doesn't work like that. Um, so that to pick up on the pieces and to and to be mindful of those things and to have the confidence, encourage courage. That safe talk is all about the encourage courage for you to ask that very hard question, but be deliberate and say the exact words. Hi. I don't know. When people are exhibiting A, B, and C, when people are not showing up to work every day, when people are, you know, giving up on their hobbies or giving away their stuff, sometimes those people are thinking about suicide. Are you thinking about suicide? And that's when everything I just said up until this point goes out the window because that's when you do get in someone's face. Absolutely. Gently, Absolutely. but you do. And I, I think that's an important distinction to make. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I, and again, I, 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 don't like, I don't want this to sound necessarily like a, a negative point, but I do believe that if someone has attempted, there is always going to be a propensity mm. to attempt again. So there is a certain amount of vigilance that does sort of creep into the relationship, whatever that relationship happens to be. So there would be more questions to be asked. Mm -hmm. There would be more behaviors to pay attention to, that kind of thing. Um, It doesn't take away from what I said earlier, um, that if we're just talking about our mental health stories, that we are here and we want to listen. This is the level up. But that's totally the level up. Right, and, and there are those tools out there uh, for me, I found it with Living Works and doing Assist and Safe Talk um, that you can, if you, if again, not everybody has first aid training. Not everybody is going to do an assist. You know, Safe Talk is a lower level kind of thing. It's an alertness. It's kind of like being a first alert person that, um, again, like, like, like CPR. You're not going to save their life, but you're going to help them until the paramedic gets there. That's kind of the thing that I'm going to help you learn is to be like, okay, I'm going to help you stay safe and I am going to make that connection for you because it seems like you are in crisis right now. And so that kind of understanding that you can be in that, you know, your, your, your own little stratosphere, your own little microcosm and, and be a part of that community to make it safer. And how can somebody get more information from you about that? Um, check me out on social, um, at Adriana P on Twitter, or go to my website, Adriana, uh, hyphen Prosser.com. I've got my whole safe talk there. In fact, if you are a Toronto resident, I have my Toronto resources in a PDF. Uh, so if you are feeling like you need to know your community connections, such as, uh, you know, the distress center in Toronto, uh, my partner, uh, fantastic man, uh, he actually, Uh, volunteers there to answer the phone. So if you are feeling in crisis or if you are feeling alone, um, things like that, like just community resources that are free and or really easy to get a hold of because a lot of the time we feel like we're always on a wait list or that therapy is really expensive. But there are other ways if if you're starting to think 
that you need those resources, those supports. Reach out and, and, and get them. But, but like you, you two just said a moment ago as well, um, don't leave it for just somebody else to reach out for those resources. Uh, there's been a lot of memes recently. Reach out to your strong friends as well. Yeah, right? I love it. Yeah, yeah, check on your strong friends. Yeah. Because you just, you don't know. And they, and okay, so let's get real another level. Let's dig a little deeper. I love, I fucking love, can I swear on your podcast? Yeah. I fucking love Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. And I was crushed. Me too. I am, I am, again, I'm selfishly telling everybody in the world I am going to Japan. And the first thing I asked myself was, what would Anthony Bourdain do? And we actually made a part of the trip the Anthony Bourdain part of the trip like right like we are going and we are going to eat the things that we are afraid of we're going to go to places that we do not speak the language and we are going to you know shake hands and and eat the things and experience culture and he was so strong on on the outside I had no idea me neither and and then you listen to the interviews and like the little the little things like like the the one about Keith Richards and they're like well what do you have in common with Keith Richards and he's like we're alive despite it all and it's like whoa but he, just just that one but if you stack them right and it's and it's that alertness to hey buddy i mean i know that you're macabre and and you're outspoken but like do we need to have a moment Right. And, and checking in on your strong friends might feel weird and might feel silly. And, and you can totally be transparent about that. My next tattoo is transparency and authenticity, because I really feel like those are the, the things that make me a better human and make me make me me. Right. Like a lot of people, we talk about the mask with uh, with with Dan Curtis Thompson in one of our first episodes. And like the thing that I feel that I'm most prideful of is I don't, I don't really wear a mask anymore. Like I am this Muppet redhead that'll fucking tell you that I really like your shoes, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Silly. Right. <laughs> right? But that you, because I'm in a, uh, because again, I'm on that other side of, of, of my own personal story and, and, and losing everything but the cat that I have this, I don't know, this baseline of like, I don't care what you think of me. I'm going to ask you because I live in awkward every day. <laughs> I am perfectly fine with living as a Muppet, but not everybody is. And so to be that encouraged courage, that checking in on your strong friends, we were talking about how awkward things can be and to be able to live in that is hard. And we need to all learn that as a skill. And you know, and and you're talking about um, Anthony Bourdain, and, and I was probably maybe I'm in the minority. I was not in any way surprised because I'm married to an Anthony Bourdain. Hmm. Um, so there was nothing about it that had my chin dropped to the floor. Why him? Why not him? Hmm. Right. So when you see it from a different perspective, and you're sitting next to an Anthony Bourdain, um, uh, you do learn to ask and to not take anything for granted. I think that that's exceptionally important is um, to just, in some strange way, the stronger someone is, the more I watch. Hmm. So, and that's probably a direct result of of, uh, my life experience. So I think there wasn't any of that. There was just, oh my gosh, maybe the ray of light out of this, of which there is only darkness, is that people will have these kinds of conversations and not make the assumption that you got your shit together, you're a wealthy man, you're an influencer, you're, you know, you're a dude, you're all your of Your Instagram these looks you're, totally my, jacked. Right. Um, it's, it, it, it can very much be smoke and mirrors. So, no, I wasn't surprised, but I, I also, I have context as to why I wasn't surprised. Hmm. It's, it's awful. It's tragic. When anyone takes their life, it's tragic, so doesn't matter celebrity or otherwise of course uh, absolutely um we, we we don't get a lot of news about non-celebrities uh, you know so mm. for me I've, I've spent a lot of time discussing Bourdain and and Chris Cornell and you know um Chester Bennington and the list goes on and these people weren't necessarily heroes but they were surprised surprising to me because I don't have that context and uh um I'm I'm still not in a place that I'm ready to even 
talk about like what this makes me feel, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's a confusing place mm-hmm. to be. Um, but I look forward to the time when I can talk about it. And I hope that I have people that are as receptive and, um, understanding and encouraging as you to well, then you'll discuss just reach that out. Yeah, yeah. Just, just call Absolutely. us even. Yeah. <laughs> cause, cause that'd whoa. be cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I really want to thank you guys for coming on today. Um, I'd love for you to plug plug the show. Um, Absolutely. Stores like pe- crazy. Where can people find it? SoundCloud and iTunes. Please subscribe. And, Absolutely. you know, check us out to chat with us. We're on Twitter and Facebook, too. Okay. And if you're like me and old-fashioned, try stories like crazy at Gmail. <laughs> also true. You can email. If you have a story to tell, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, support it. That would be great. And if anybody reaches out... show of strength is a movement where i try to encourage courage you can support a show of strength by visiting our patreon page at www.patreon.com slash a show of strength for as little as one dollar a month you can join the movement and help make a difference advocating for mental health in the greater toronto area and beyond for questions our social And to subscribe, rate, and review the various shows we produce, you can visit www.ashowofstrength.com.